sometimes wait for a particular part of the service and miss what God already wants to do. And by his spirit and by his word, God is forever ministering to people's hearts and people's lives. We have a number of people that come through the life of Arena Church almost on a regular basis on a Sunday. And it's clearly impossible for us to greet everybody officially from the front. Although hopefully you felt a great welcome right from the car park with Hank and the fantastic job that he does and through into having coffee and into the service. And uh, that's again intentional on our part. But it's not every day that you get two people from the other side of the world, from Perth, Western Australia. And this morning it's my joy to welcome Sharon's older brother Vin and uh, his wife Eunice uh, to Arena Church. They have been uh, once before. But why don't you just stand? Let's give him a great arena welcome this morning. <laughs> Two things. Vin and Eunice have served the Lord in ministry for many, many years and now are actively retired and still serving God. And um, they, they went um, out to Australia in the mid-60s uh, when, of course, many people did. And that sort of group of people have now got third and fourth generations of family that are growing up as, as nationalised Australians. But some of you may know the story that in 1975 they felt a tug in their heart to come back to the UK and uh, it actually, by their own confession, didn't work out. They were very homesick and they were only in the UK about seven months. But in that time, Vin introduced Sharon to me and as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> he cleared off and I've had 32 years sorting it all out. So... <laughs> Some of you know I'm still trying. <laughs> Very true. By the way, there was a slight irony when we were singing Rain Down. We were singing that prophetically and not praying it over their holiday whilst they're here. That said, did you notice that ever since we've uh, started talking about a drought in the country, it's rained every day? And um, we need the rain naturally, although. Um, we also like the sunny days and there was a great prophetic spirit as we worship this morning friends because God is passionately looking for prevailing churches that will really want the rain to fall I tell you it'll come and God will do amazing things if you've got a Bible this morning perhaps you'll go to Psalm 43 I'm going to read this Psalm it's probably not as well known as the one before it Psalm 42 but there's a great connection between them And we're going to continue on this theme um, that rolls through the early summer weeks. We ministered pre-Easter on the thought of being intentional. It's not a season of ministry. It's actually a commitment to the life of the church. Prayerfully, prophetically, being intentional about things that God wants to sow into our lives. And uh, Christian uh, set the foundation for this particular series last week, simply called Defeating. And uh, we'll look at different themes over the next few weeks. As you know, Brother Bob Stevenson's with us next week. A dear friend of Vin and Eunice's lives in that same part of the world. Bob's with us at 11, and I know that you'll be blessed by his infectious ministry. But I want to read Psalm 43 and then just uh, take us to where we're going this morning and believing that God's going to touch our hearts and speak to us as he's already done and just draw this great sense of being together this morning to a conclusion in the power of God. So the psalmist says, Vindicate me, O God, 
and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so perturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my God, my Savior, and my God. Over the next few weeks, friends, Christian just sharing his heart with me a few weeks ago. We went down this theme of defeating, and this morning we're going to talk about defeating the blues. We'll also be talking about defeating the reds and the greens and the yellows and beige, and you'll get the idea as we go. But this morning, if you want the word for it, we're going to be talking about defeating despondency. I'm going to try and take this in a very realistic way, not triumphalistic, not denying stuff. But the reality is, friends, that God does want us in the power of Jesus and through the help of the Holy Spirit to be a people that push back on things that seek to restrict us and limit us within our lives. Psalm 43, many Bible commentators believe, was perhaps originally part of Psalm 42. If you read them together, then you'll know that they carry a similar theme. One of the first psalms, not written by King David, but written by a traveling minstrel musical group called the Sons of Korah. And there was something of a lament within this song that reflected an experience that they were going through at this particular time. It may have been one of their own or certainly a friend's, but the fact of the matter is, as you read into it, particularly in the previous psalm, You find that someone is in exile, taken captive by an enemy group and away from his homeland. More than that, he was away from the place of worship. And for someone that loved to express the praises of God, this was a a situation that was almost unbearable. You need to remember in the Old Testament, friends, that God had a temple for his people. And it was made up sometimes of a canvas tent called a tabernacle. Sometimes something temporary out of the restoration of God's purposes called the Tabernacle of David. And then, of course, the Temple of Solomon, which got demolished. And the people were despondent until Haggai came along and says, The glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former. And friends, that is a prophetic statement to the church today because of whatever has happened in the past, and we thank God for it, there is always something better in the future for us. And God wants to do an amazing thing in the earth today that will make his name famous. And as Christian was prophesying out of the worship this morning, that the rain would come, the glory of God would come as the waters covered the sea. That is revival. And so God had specific places, stations, locations where people would come to worship. In the Old Testament, he had a temple for his people. In the New Testament, he's got a people for his temple. So it is not defined by a place. And we have said many times that church is about people and not buildings. We thank God for buildings. We thank God for gathering points. But the reality is, friends, the church has come to the building today. We've not come to church. And it expresses itself all through the week. But here, in this Old Testament context, the happy worshipper, away from the the presence of God, the place of being able to worship the Lord, and it caused him to be despondent and oppressed, Other people said to him, where is your God? It says in verse 3 of the previous psalm, my tears have been my food night and day. He was downcast, he was despondent. 
And of course, as very often happens, Eugene Peterson captures this brilliantly in Psalm 43. Because he said in verse 5, Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? And the reality is, friends, that maybe all of us have times where we are impacted by the blues. One of those days that just doesn't happen, the bad day in the office. For ministers, sometimes it's been Monday, if Sunday's gone bad. And uh, some people would be able to tell you about the head games of all of that sometimes, and how it can impact. And we need to be careful that we don't always face Monday with a, ooh, because you can end up wasting every Monday if you're not careful. You need to make, face Monday with a, bring it on, come on. After Sunday, I'm ready for anything. I'm ready to be in my mission world this week. I'm ready to be salt and light. I'm ready to live for Jesus. I'm ready to connect with people. I'm ready to give something off that makes other people feel better. You don't need to wait till Tuesday morning to get there. And the Psalms, friends, often give vent to the praises of God. And I'm, I'm so pleased about that. They, they, they give joyous ex, exclamation of the majesty of God. And I've had various people at times explain the Psalms and where they work. For me, friends, it's so easy. The Psalms are an expression of God's rejoicing community in these days. I think everything they did now is for us now. I think every expression of praise then is for us now. And I believe, friends, that God wants us increasingly to enter into all that he's got for us. And to to give joy to God and and praise to God. That said, the Psalms are not just about that. And those of you that have perhaps read the Psalms a little bit more deeply will find that very often the psalmist, be it David or in this instance other people, give great vulnerability to their feelings. They, They share some of their heart cries as I describe them to God. They talk about times when they feel lonely and bereft. And somehow that maybe God's not listening. If it was okay for them, then it's okay for us. And there may be times, friends, that we sort of share those sorts of things with the Lord also. And here's one of those situations. You see, when you became a Christian, you may have had somebody say, now remember, it's not feelings, it's faith. And there's an element, of course, of truth in that. Because if you are determined always by your feelings... Your Christian faith will be the proverbial roller coaster. You'll be like the grand old Duke of York and his 10,000 men. When they're up, they're up. Oh. When they were down, they're down. And of course, halfway in between is no good either. But the reality is, friends, that I don't believe the Bible denies our feelings. I think sometimes we've been utterly crass in church in terms of how we've spoken to people because God has given us feelings. God has given us emotions. It's part of the soulish side of our being. And to deny them is ridiculous. We need, friends, to deal with them. We need to make sure that they don't deal with us, but we deal with them. And on this occasion, the psalm gives expression to a place of despondency, a place of being downcast, a place where somebody wasn't in the center of where he wanted to be. And the blues were all over it. And this morning, let me just give you three or four expressions of where the blues can come to us. They can come through disappointment. It may be this morning that you're in church and something's not gone your way. It may be that you were eschewing for that promotion at work and at the 59th minute of the 11th hour, they picked somebody else and you are really ticked off. 
and you're disappointed. And it may be that you've expressed that disappointment to God. And it may be that this morning, you know, you just feel a sense of all of that in your life that causes you to feel blue. It may be this morning, friends, that you've come in downcast. The word literally means a, a lowering of spirit and vitality. I think the enemy's done a brilliant job at times of squeezing out of church vitality. Whoa, let's not get too excited because, whoa, squeezing out. Friends, this, this, this place this morning ought to ooze with the vitality of the life of God. And thank God it is. But maybe there's a season of being downcast. Maybe this morning there's despondency, as I've already alluded to, which literally means a loss of heart or hope. I'll come back to that later. And if I can use a fourth D word this morning, I want to use it very carefully and sensitively. Maybe this morning part of the issue of the blues in your life is on occasions depression. Now, you need to understand that this message this morning is not here to delve into the deep issues that sometimes can affect people. And often create difficult and sensitive and complex times in their life. I have to say that sometimes I believe that that sort of thing has been hugely misunderstood. Somebody, somebody hobbling around, it's pretty clear there's something wrong with their leg. It's far more difficult to perceive that there's something wrong with somebody's mind. And I know there's been throwaway comments at times. Maybe you've received them, been on the end of them. Maybe that's added to the pain. By my own confession, friends, and I don't see it with any... Uh, sort of um, um, delight this morning because I, I don't tend to run there. A little bit of me as well. Why can't folks just pull themselves together a bit and get on with it? You know, let's go. But of course, it's not as easy as that at times. I understand that. I really do. Reading recently an article in the press which says over 2.5 million people in the UK are affected in this area. And the cost to the UK economy every year is over £9 billion. Some of you that employ people will know some of the issues at times of having to work that through in context where people can't work because of what I've alluded to. I don't want to come triumphalist this morning, friends. I don't want to just say pull yourself together. But what I do want to encourage us this morning is to realise that God wants to bring change. He wants to bring us to a place where we'll really begin. There can be some defeating of the blues in our life. He doesn't want you to be going through a repetitive life cycle where you're okay for one week and then not good for two months. And it goes and goes and goes and goes. And if we don't deal with it, it's going to keep going and going and going until we get to glory. Friends, let's not wait for glory. Let's rule and reign in life right here and now in the power of Jesus Christ. Of course, this is not a new phenomenon. People that have suffered depression include Hans Christian Andersen, Napoleon, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Dylan Thomas, Mark Twain. Among the pantheon of Christian greats, Bunyan, Luther, Spurgeon, all had issues in this area. I suggest, friends, that they tapped into the power of defeating to enable them to do what they did to influence their generation for the cause of Jesus Christ. And how does the blues sometimes come to us? Well, it sometimes comes to us because of, say, finance. It sometimes comes to us because of circumstances it sometimes comes to us all the things trivial and how easy it is for things trivial all of a sudden to seem things vital and this whole sense of perspective is lost because your dinner got burnt on on thursday night it got left in the microwave for longer than was intended trivial you know there is the chippy down the road just out you out on those particular moments 
But it became vital. You've not spoken to your wife since. It's all going to change this morning. Was that a prophetic word? I don't know, but, you know. Here's what the psalmist says. I counted on you, God. Why did you walk out on me? Why am I pacing the floor, wringing my hands over these outrageous people? You see, people can cause you to feel despondent at times. We'll come to that a bit later. But whatever anybody has said over you, friends, be they of the household of faith or not, it's not what God's saying over you. It's not what God's saying over you. And all these things can come to us to cause us to feel that our journey and destiny is to have to put up with this. And it isn't. Hebrews 2.14 says that by Jesus' death, he destroyed him who holds the power of death and frees those who were held in slavery. He's speaking about his work, finished work upon the cross, and how that, that has made a death knell into the powers of darkness so that we can live not as slaves, but as free sons and daughters of the Lord. It may be that you're saying, Phil, it's all right for you, but I'm melancholic. That, that's what I am. You know. A friend of mine years ago says, love classical music and... Um, he said, every time I listen to Marla, you know, it's what we all do on a Saturday night, isn't it? But every, every, every time I listen to Marla, I get depressed. I did a bit of research. I found that Marla was a melancholic depressive. I said to my friend, here's the word of advice. You know, when you listen to Marla, turn it off. <laughs> because his spirit is going to yours. And if you don't believe in the power of music to that level, you know, turn it off, turn it off. And if you like Marlon, don't get depressed. Please don't come up to me afterwards and sort of, you know, but you, you know what I'm saying. And you see, friends, we can define ourselves by our confessions. I, I'm, the, I'm this, I, you know, I, 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 I tend to run to being gloomy. I, I always see the bottle half empty rather than half full. God doesn't want you to live there anymore. God doesn't want you to live there anymore. And, and I'll come to it in a moment. But friends, God wants to do something in our lives that by a work of his spirit within us begins to define us, not by what we're saying over us, but by what he is saying over us in the power of his word. You see, if there's an epidemic of disease in various parts of the world, and we've seen our TV screens at times, and we've seen the ravages that this can cause, then the medical profession are looking for an antidote. What's the literal meaning of an antidote? It's a medicine used to counteract poison or disease. And this morning, what is the spiritual antidote to despondency? What is the antidote to the blues that seek to come over our lives at times? And it's simply this, it's a four-letter word in the scriptures. It's a bedrock of Christian truth. It is hope. Hope. And when I talk about hope, I'm not talking about it being escapist. I'm not talking about being fantasist. I'm not talking about mere sunny optimism. I'm not sort of going to come up to you and say, get a smile on your face. Come on. You know, not talking about that. I'm not talking, friends, about crossing your fingers and hoping to die. I'm not talking about touching wood. I'm not talking about superstition or whim. I'm talking about hope that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And that hope, friends, is a confident expectation regarding the unseen and 
the future. We can look into what the future holds, friends, not under the blues, but under the hope of the power of God in our lives. Someone says that hope often begins in the dark, knowing the dawn will come. And that's where it's going to start for some of you this morning. It's going to appear dark, but there's dawn coming. There's a change coming. There's a light coming over your life. Someone says that once we give hope a chance in our lives, anything is possible. And the spiritual antidote to the disease of the blues this morning, friends, for an advancing, prevailing church like Arena that's serious about taking ground for the kingdom and seeing the enemy defeated is that we hope in our gods. The Bible says in Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I want to give just three things that hope brings to our lives very briefly and then we're going to close off the message this morning. But three things that help us defeating the blues. Number one, when we hope in God, it brings a secure anchor. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Now the book of Hebrews, as it suggests, was originally written to Jewish Christians that had come to faith out of law, out of legalism, out of regulation, come to a liberating experience of Jesus Christ. There were a number of reasons that Hebrews was written, but one of the main reasons that Hebrews was written is to draw people to an understanding of an intimate relationship with God. You see, historically, the mindset of these people was everything went through the priest. And only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies. And only the priest could represent the people. But the Bible tells us, friends, in the context of that verse this morning, that Jesus Christ has come. Hebrews 10 says that he set a new and living way. The curtain was torn in two. And this morning, every one of us have access to the Lord. It's intimate, it's immediate, and it's individual. We can all come to the presence of God. And when we understand that, then the hope that we have in the Lord brings an anchor to our lives. Now, Christian, myself, the leadership of this team, in our shepherding capacity, in our care for arena, would on occasions, friends, love to put a canopy over, our, over everybody's lives and ensure that nobody ever got hurt again. Ensure that nobody ever went through a difficult circumstance and seek to ensure, friends, that none of us had the knocks and bumps that life brings. And you know that historically certain Christian communities have done that. They've literally battened down the hatches. They've said, we're going to live all together. We're all going to live at Arena 24-7. Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, don't you believe it? Okay, fine. Yeah. You like your toast burnt. I like my sort of mild, somebody else, you know... But they've literally banned down the actions to stop that big bad world out there getting to us and we can't do it. And part of the journey, friends, is the joys of church and sometimes it's the pain. It's standing with people that are broken hearted and walking it through with them. But here's the reality today. You may have pitched up at church this morning walking into the teeth of a gale. It may be that it's blowing absolutely all over your life. It may have been unexpected. It may be something that you've not precipitated. But there's a storm blowing over your life this morning. But God says this morning that hope comes to you so that you don't have to live under the blues. But he can be the secure anchor in your life and hold you steady. You see, when the ship drops anchor, it's to save being wrecked. It's to save it being knocked into smithereens. It's to protect what's taking place. And God doesn't want you to be messed up on the rocks of life. He may allow you to go through certain things. He may uh, sort of set some circumstances around you that seem difficult. But you this morning can know Christ as the anchor of your soul that takes you 
through, as Christian said earlier, to the other side. Secondly, friends, hope causes us not to be ashamed. Romans chapter 5 and verses 1 to 5 talk about the process of God working in us. And it draws to a conclusion in verse 5 by saying, Hope does not disappoint because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. The authorized version says, Hope does not make ashamed. And God is producing something in us, friends, that he's not disappointed about. Other people may say it, but he's not. God is at work in your life and says, I'm proud of that person. I'm proud of that man. I'm proud of that woman. I'm proud of that young person at college that stands up for me. And I'm doing something in them. They don't need to walk around with the blues, with their head down, feeling worthless. And the psalmist got it because in Psalm 25 he says, No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. God is not laying shame on you this morning. You're free from it, friends. In Jesus, you're delivered from it. He loves you. He's proud of you. He cares for you. He's passionate about your destiny. And he wants you to live in his freedom. And thirdly, hope brings a great assurance. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, he says these words, Praise be to the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When you became a Christian, and if you've not become a Christian, there's going to be opportunity for you to do so this morning. When you became a Christian, you were born into a living hope. Isn't it interesting that when we sometimes go through the blues, the whisper comes to our life, not from Jesus, not from the Holy Spirit, but from the enemy. Something like this. Well, God doesn't love you. And you're not really saved. And you realize you're on your own. And you know that you'll never make it. And we begin to think, yeah, that's probably true, you know. I wonder why little so-and-so down the road from me, you know. They, they all seem to be blessed. But, and, 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 and the trivial becomes the vital. And he loves it when we lose perspective. And you need to see where that sort of stuff's coming from, friends, because the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts is doing something exactly opposite. Here's how one writer catches it as he gives a reflection on 1 John chapter 3 and chapter 4, just a couple of the verses. He says this, God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. Once that's taken care of, we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves we're bold and free before our God and how does that happen well it goes on to say he's given us life from his life from his very own spirit the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts friends is not to condemn us not to shame us not to accuse us but to draw us into an intimate relationship with God where our hope is stretching out towards him And when that's dealt with all that other stuff, we begin to see ourselves as bold and free before our God. No shackles, no chains, but walking forward in his plan. On Wednesday of this week, I had the joy of meeting up with our national chaplaincy officer for the Assemblies of God, David Spademan, who's doing a superb job in highlighting the fantastic work of chaplaincy um, across the Christian church. And particularly at this time, the, the 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 increasing emergence of that through our fellowship of churches. Nathan's father, John, 
uh, works half a week now with the Greater uh, Midlands Police in Birmingham and uh, just carries a great weight of influence in that particular context. There are things emerging on the local scheme which we'll be able to share a little bit more about with you. But just a great day. We found ourselves, I mentioned no names because, you know, the, the, the podcast can go out. But we found ourselves in an RAF place and uh, we were inside the ropes. And those of you that like planes, Sean, we were stroking the Spitfire. You know, I mean, well, somebody's got to do it. Okay, and, uh, and it, it, was, it was a really good day. And uh, just encouraging the chaplain that works there, one of our ministers that works there. And uh, he, the, the chaplain said to me, Phil, if you'll arrive about 11.50, he says, we're going to have a communion service. He said, it's going to sort of be led by the Anglican chaplain. It's 12 o'clock. And he says, you're very welcome to join with us. I arrived at 11.55, actually. Those tractors on that, those flipping Lincolnshire roads. But, but, um, but uh, straight into the community service. It was an Anglican service, you know. Father, have mercy on us. Father, have mercy on us. Father, we love you. Father, you know. And just occasionally, it's, it's a really good sort of response. Would I want to do it every week? No, because it's, it's just not me. And uh, the Anglican chaplain led the service. And we're just getting towards about two-thirds of the way through. When all of a sudden, somebody says, he says, can I play my song? This is a kind of, can I play my, oh yeah, we forgot about that. Yeah, come and play it now. So, I'll, make, I'll say nothing else, friends, but this, this, this man is a senior serving officer in the Royal Air Force. Can I play my song? I thought, what are we going to get? And I think to myself. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, I've composed this song. He says, I hope it's all right. I hope it's all right. You know, he could have commanded us for it to be all right. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hope it's all right. He said, I was just thinking about Pentecost last week and how the disciples were feeling gloomy in the blues. And I'll read it to you. If I get to the end. Sitting in the upper room, locked away and scared. Because he gave us every one of these so we could join in and sing the song with him, yeah. Sitting in the upper room, locked away and scared, feeling only fear and gloom, I am not prepared. Reflections of your promise fill in my head, so empty without you. My heart is full of dread. The people do not listen, and I'm not strong enough. I feel I'm in a prison, bereft of hope and love. But oh, how the Spirit sang, full of peace and grace. It made me a humble man, a servant to the human race. So take my voice, Lord, with love inspire. Let me speak your words with tongues of fire. I said to the chaplain, where is this guy? He says, he's on a journey to faith. He's not even got there yet. He's on a journey to faith. Put his guitar down, sat down. I'm completely wrecked by this song. I thought, I'm going to, that so fits in with Sunday, you see, because we, we can sort of get carried away by the Spirit of God coming upon the guys and all that took place, but they just lost Jesus. Right to the very end, they were saying, Jesus, yeah, what are we, we going to do without you? What are we going to do without you? And they were in danger of living in the blues. And the Spirit of God came and made all the difference. And this morning, friends, I trust that you've captured my heart. I really have not tried to be triumphalist. I've really not tried to be insensitive to context within this church. But God's asking his friends today that we would look at him afresh and see that in Christ Jesus we can live defeating. 
Defeating of the blues because we have a secure anchor that hope brings. Hope brings us to a place where we need not be ashamed. And hope causes us to know a great assurance. This morning the worship team started with a song. I didn't know what they were going to play. I've written it in my notes. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong deliverer. I'll leave the final word to Peterson. Psalm 43 verse 5. Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face. He's my God. Brothers and sisters, in the power of Jesus, that is defeating the blues. Let's pray.